Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust. Member FDIC. Now to Trey Betty. Brought to you by Asher Record Service. 501-562-2293. Family owned and operated since 1980. Asher Wrecker. Dependable towing and vehicle recovery service. Ask for Asher. Good afternoon, Trey. Hey, guys. I am guessing by popular demand that you finally wrote the article that most of us have been waiting on because the question seemingly is always the first one that's asked, even if it's on National Signing Day, but that seems to now be a um, forgotten show that we used to do. But uh, that is, name me, Trey, the freshman that you are expecting to contribute this fall for the Arkansas Razorbacks. Yeah, well, that's close, Randy, because it's not exactly like who I expect to contribute, just the most likely to contribute, because I've got a list of 10, right? So it's a top 10 right. list of most likely freshmen to contribute. But if you go back over like the last three or four years, it's about three, five, maybe seven guys that one year, Chad Morris in 2019 with the youth movement. So they're not going to burn the red shirts at 10 freshmen. So I just made a list of the most likely candidates to. Okay. So like James Joyner and Rashad DeBinion are both on the list. But Arkansas is not going to use both running backs, but that's a position where, you know, you see injuries from time to time. And if you're a good freshman back, you usually play as a true freshman, right? You usually don't redshirt. You can go back 25 years, and you can't find me a guy that ever had, like, a really productive career at Arkansas that ran for 1,000 yards who redshirted his his freshman year, aside from Michael Smith, who was injured, had a hamstring injury. Everybody else plays their freshman year, so – it's most likely that, you know, one of those running backs are going to play, probably not both of them, because they do have three guys they feel pretty good about. But it's a, it's a position where you see a lot of injury. Um, you know, Jalen Lewis and Anthony Brown are a couple of guys that are on the list, two guys that are really describe each other as being brothers. Uh, but they enrolled early. They're defensive backs. They were working a good bit, you know, third team. Anthony Brown sometimes second team because they use a lot of safeties. So I think those guys have a chance. Uh, I listed, you know, both Isaiah Satania and Quincy McAdoo at wide receiver. Probably both of those guys aren't going to play, but they're looking for, for guys to, to help there. There's a, there's a, an option, you know, um, but I don't think both of them are going to end up playing. It'll be one of those guys. And then you got specialists. So Max Fletcher and Eli Stein both brought in on scholarship. That doesn't usually happen for a kicker and a punter unless you're pretty sure they're going to come out and play. Now, Reed Bowers obviously there for Max Fletcher, so I've got him a little bit lower than I have Eli Stein because Eli Stein's a long snapper. I mean, you can't, I can't think of any long snapper that ever came in on scholarship. There's not a lot of them, but there's a couple who didn't start right away. So, you know, he's got some guys to battle with, but you would expect him to start. Um, you know, Tyrus Washington, I think I've said several times, he was the guy that I'm walking around during spring football and I see number eight and I had to grab my notes, but who is number eight and it's Tyrus Washington, <laughs> freshman, doesn't look like a freshman. But there's an opportunity for him because you've got Trey Knox, you got Hudson Henry, Hudson's dealt with some injuries and stuff. Both those guys have had pretty in- inconsistent careers. And then the third guy is Nathan Back. And plus, what do we know about tight ends and linebackers and safeties? They're also really good candidates to help on special teams because they have those, you know, they're somewhere usually around 6'1 to 6'4, usually over 200 pounds, can run and tackle. 
there's a lot of things you can do with those guys on special teams. So Tyrus Washington, I think, is, is a guy to definitely watch. I've actually got him at number five. Jordan Crook, we saw working a good bit with the second group at linebacker. Um, I think there's a good chance for him. He's probably, you know, when you have everybody healthy, because they did have some guys injured here and there in the spring, I'd say he's probably number five linebacker right now, just based on what we saw in the spring. Uh, but he's got a chance to also. And again, six foot, 227, can help on special teams. He's number four on my list. I mentioned Stein at three. And then Rashad DeBinion. I mean, he's, you know, I talked about him a little bit on the outset, but he's a guy that, that came up a lot. And really, when you break down what they have at running back, they got Dominic Johnson, Rocket Sanders, both two, two guys, you know, over 220 pounds or so. And I would say, you know, they've got A.J. Green also. A.J.'s more of a shifty guy, but. Rashad DeBinion kind of falls in that mold of a shifty guy. So you've got two guys that are bigger backs and then just one guy returning, you know, who's more of a shifty back. So I think DeBinion maybe has a better case than James Joyner, who James Joyner probably goes about 220 also, kind of a bigger back too. So DeBinion maybe might, might, might fit in a little bit better as a guy who's kind of filling for A.J. Green. And then I've got Isaiah Sedania, number one, who we talked about a little bit too. And you go back. 10 years, and you're going to find the number one prospect who signed with Arkansas in each class played a significant number of games. You actually have to go all the way back to, I think, 2011, I think, with Cam Felt, who Cam Felt ended up redshirting and then transferring out after that. But everybody else who's been the top prospect in the class has played in most of the games, at least. That was the number that surprised, or that, that fact, I should say, is the one that surprised me the most, and that is uh, the number one recruit in the class was the only one that played, I guess you can say, the majority of the games. Um, I know you talked about others, uh, like Jaden Johnson from last year, who um, I don't remember in the beginning. I sure remember him from maybe the midpoint of the season on. Now, if he played earlier, it was on special teams, but I'm talking either at the nickel or – Maybe one of the safety spots uh, is when we finally saw Jaden starting to emerge. But uh, that mm-hmm. fact that the number one recruit is the only, or in the class is the only one that ends up playing significant time as a true freshman. Well, not the only one, but just like more guaranteed to Randy. I don't mean he's right. the only one that's playing significant time, but like you can go down the last ten years or so, and that guy is is playing a good number of snaps. Um, you know and. You know, this like you look at you know past years, like recently I mentioned, you just don't have a whole lot anymore because of the four game redshirt rule. So you can have a lot of guys playing and contributing, but not exceeding those four games. But right. generally, you know, five freshmen this day and age is is a lot to burn the redshirt. Whereas five years ago, half the class would redshirt and half of them would play. That's still uh, amazing. All right, let's check in with uh, Razorback Bob. Robert, I see you got in today, so you got a question for Trey. Yeah, I got a couple of them, Randy. Let me say good afternoon to Randy and Double T. Hey. How are you, Bob? It ain't, double R, it, it ain't, it ain't double R or Triple R today. It's Double T. <laughs> <laughs> um, Randy, a uh, couple of things first. A uh, couple of callers ago, uh, one one guy said that Georgia has replaced Alabama as the best team in the SEC. I, I wanted to kind of question that because I wanted to question it because of how much uh, Georgia had lost in the draft. 
that's a lot of talent to replace. And I'm, I'm, I'm in yet. my mind, I'm, I've still got Alabama at the top. And, well, it's kind of uh, like how how Sam Pittman answered that question. It was Kurt Bowles who asked the question. Uh, he is the uh, main writer, has been for years in Austin, Austin, Texas. And I think he right. was just trying to ask Sam Pittman if he thought you know his program had arrived. And Sam, I think, interpreted that as saying, "No, we haven't taken over Alabama, and no, we haven't taken over Georgia." Uh, and he wanted to play down that because I don't I don't think he wants that kind of um, I wouldn't say cockiness but maybe an over an air of overconfidence to be uh, impressed upon a writer from Texas who's going to take that back to Texas and and feel the fire. No, I, I, that's well, I, I, I think Pittman doesn't want anybody in a, on his own team thinking that. Right. As he said, he's not showing people the publication that has him picked second in the West. He's picking the publication that has him picked seventh in the West to show his team. But hey, I agree well, Randy, with you, Bob. I, I mean, there's been teams that have cycled in and out, like over the like in 2019. We weren't saying, well, LSU has overtaken Alabama. You know, there's there's been Auburn, Florida a little farther back, and Auburn farther back, and LSU and Georgia have all cycled in with national championships. But the team that's always in there, in the mix, is Alabama every single year. Right. Randy, I think that's one angle you can look at. Uh, and coming from who it came from, you could look at it like, well, you beat Texas last year, and now you think you've arrived, and <laughs> Texas is not Georgia, Texas is not Alabama. So I wouldn't go there. Let me tell you my my thought on, on what you just said. My thought is, when you feel like you've arrived and been there and done that, you you you, you get complacent, and uh, uh, and I think what he was saying is we still got a lot lot to prove, and we're still hungry, and we're still working toward getting better. To me, that's what that spoke to me. And uh, Trey, uh, what I wanted to ask you two things: one, when I look at this team this year, and I, I'd like to look at it through your eyes. I'm looking at the defense. I'm looking at the offense. I mean, I mean, you, you just go down through the list and name it all the way to the special teams or kicker. I feel like this is the best all around. And when I say all around team, I'm talking about a having talent, which we've had, uh, uh, we've been short in the talent department, you know, in the past, but we've been short in depth and I feel like we got talent not only with our starters, but we're going to have talent with our depth. And I'm thinking this is the best all-around team we've had. And I'm going to go back before Bobby Petrino, maybe all the way back to Houston Nutt, because Bobby Petrino, although I loved his offenses, he kind of held back the defenses so the offense could flourish. And so get your thoughts on that. And yesterday, and then I'm going to get off, Randy, but um, when I got in yesterday, Trey, it was right after you'd gone off the air, and, and I asked Randy and Rick this, and they didn't, uh, uh, unfortunately, they didn't have time to answer it. But this year, when you look on one side of the field and you see Hazelwood, the transfer from Oklahoma, and we've seen the video of his yards after the catch, and then on the other side of the field, you look over there and you see Hornsby, and we've seen what he can do with the ball and what his talents are. Uh, not only leading the country in rushing, I believe we can do this year, but I feel like Yak, yards after the catch, I believe we'll be right at the top in the nation on that and just get your opinion. And Randy, great show. 
Love it. Appreciate you guys. Love y'all. Have a good afternoon. Appreciate you, Robert. Well, I would say KJ's best throw also is the deep pattern. Um, So, but also, you know, they could probably swing a lot of passes out. Talk about yards after the catch. That would probably occur after a lot of screen passes and things of that nature. I agree with him overall. I think that this is a really deep. Now, in the 85 scholarship age, everybody's going to be a little thin at some spot here and there, even Alabama. But overall, depth-wise, I do think that they're in a pretty pretty good situation now. Obviously, quarterback, there's not just some guy that's going to step in right away for K.J. Jefferson, and they're thin overall scholarship numbers, although the two guys that they do have as transfers were scholarship players at both Ole Miss and North Carolina at one point. So that's you know, it's not your average walk-on. And, you know, Hornsby's going to play wide receiver and quarterback, so a little bit of mix for him. I think the offensive line, I think that they could sustain a blow if they lost somebody there. I just think they've got so much talent in the younger class. That wouldn't be ideal, but you're going to have injuries in football. You can't just look at your starting lineup and say, they're good, they're good to go. Because you have to ask yourself, what's the second group look like? And if you have to ask yourself, what's the second group, what's the third group? Because you're going to have to bring guys in and out. People get injured. People get tired. I think they can withstand a lot on the offensive line. I think there's a possibility of that at wide receiver. Somebody's going to emerge from this group. It's not just going to be spread out. Everybody has an equal number of catches and, and yards. There'll be one guy that ends up kind of separating himself. We just don't know. Is it going to be Hazelwood? It could be Keetron Jackson. We don't know who it's going to be for sure yet. could be Malik Hornsby. He could be the surprise player of the year. I'll tell you this, when Malik Hornsby goes out there and the defense recognizes him, it's like somebody sounds an alarm. Hmm. They're like calling all kinds of stuff. So they're very aware. And I've said before, it's not just some gimmick having him out there. He is going to make plays for them this year. Defensively, they filled in a lot of gaps with with the transfer portal. And not just – I say filled in. I mean, they got some really good players. I mean, we talked about how – well-regarded Drew Sanders was. He was the top prospect coming out of Texas a couple of years ago, uh, getting Latavius Brini uh, to join that secondary. They were already pretty strong at safety, really strong at safety. And having Jalen Catalan come back, and, you know, Simeon Blair, they really like Anthony Brown as a young guy. You know, and they cross-trained a lot. of Kari Johnson can play cornerback. He can play safety. Um, they've got a lot of depth, I think, in that secondary, and it'll be interesting to watch the cornerback battles. Linebacker, I would say a little bit less depth. But it happens all the time. You know, we talked about it a little bit on the show yesterday. It's four years you're in school here, maybe more for some, a lot more if you're Dorian Gerald. But for most people, <laughs> yes. it's four years. Yeah, for most people, it's four years, and you cycle out, and there's another guy you don't expect who, who emerges as a star for you. I mean, it happens. There are players on this team right now that you're not expecting that will end up being a star. I mean, think back like when Matt Jones was a freshman. There's a lot of anticipation for the season. You're thinking, hey, Ryan Sorehan's the guy. And no, everybody thought he'd be good, but nobody thought he'd be what he was as a freshman. Um, and that, it's just the way it goes in college football. So there will be players on this team. There will be a, a linebacker you don't expect. Maybe it's Marco Avant. Who knows? Uh, there will be a defensive lineman you don't expect. I mean, there's a, I think there's some great competition about to happen at defensive end. Now, on the interior, defensive tackle, there's some questions. How good is Terry Hampton going to be? You know, is Cam Ball going to take this big step forward? Because he's got a lot of potential. So I think there's some questions like that on the interior, but everybody's got questions. And I've said this before, when I went out and watched them in the spring, my first thought was, wow, they're, they're really clicking. They look like they really haven't missed a beat. Everybody seems to know where to be. And 
the second thing, and and in talking with some other people there, was like, man, this seems really big. They've got a really big team, and they've got some weapons. I just think I think I agree with Bob. I think that they've got a chance to have a, a really special season. They're going to have to have some luck and some ball bounces, you know, their way, just like everybody. But I, the foundation is there. What about Jamel Walker? How big of a difference do you, Trey? Do you think he's going to make with this team? He's already made a difference, but how big of a difference? Yeah. Well, he spends more time with them than anybody as the strength coach. Um, and maybe that's reduced a little bit more since they do get to work with him in the summer now, uh, the coaches. But, I mean, think about the transformation job that he had on his hands. And I can still see the disgust in Dalton Wagner's face when he's, you know, 300 pounds at six foot nine, and now he's 330-something. And he's like, I mean, I didn't know that I was going to be able to move just as well mm-hmm. carrying all this extra weight as I did at 300. I thought I needed to be quick and fast for that offense. Um, you know, he needs people to tell him that. And, you know, he, there's a reason there's coaches and strength coaches and, and, and those types of things that, you know, it's not just about building strength. It's about building quickness and, you know, agility. All of those types of things are, are very important. And I, I think Walker's done a pretty solid job. I mean, just look at the offensive line. And, you know, it's not so much like the guys that have to add weight are adding weight and the guys that need to drop weight are dropping weight, and there's some guys that you know came in like 370 pounds um, that needed to drop some weight. So I think that Walker's done a good job. I just wish I could talk to him. He's the only strength <laughs> coach that's been working at Arkansas since I've been doing this almost 20 years that I've never had a conversation with. We've never had a media opportunity. Usually, like around this time of year or a little bit sooner, you have an opportunity to talk to, talk to the strength coach, find out what's going on in the off season, watch a, you know watch an off season practice and stuff. But we've not spoken to Walker a single time, which is pretty rare. That's amazing. Hey, I, I wonder why, Randy. I don't know. Yes, Trey. Randy, Trey, Biddy, yes. we have some breaking news. Yes. Uh, Mike okay. Kaywood, Arkansas's Associate Communications Director for Men's Basketball, notes that the school is working on streaming the basketball games oh, from Spain yeah. and Italy. Hmm. Nice. So That would be awesome. Possibly to going to happen. That's, That's great news. We've now, already right asked about a, it. Right now they have an open practice. By the way, Curtis Wilson and Andrew Ellis is, is there watching some hog sports. So, and then I think uh, interviews should be going on here shortly. Also, yeah, I think they're they're going on right now, and I believe hopefully it's not a cell phone that's going to be doing that. That they're actually going to, uh, you know, take at least a couple of cameras. I'd be happy with one. Just to just give us as much as you can about this basketball team. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I was talking to a buddy of mine. Not just a few minutes ago, about how excited he was about his season tickets this year, and uh, everybody's jacked up about this team. And so we need to see him as much as we can, and thankfully we get an early look at him this year. Hopefully. All right, Trey, I'm going to try to squeeze us in real quick. This is from our Asher Record Service Company live fan feedback. College football junkie says, Trey, if you had to pick one, which hog game loss would be the most surprising in the upcoming 2022 season? Well, I know you, you're thinking Arkansas, Trey's not going to lose any games at all, so you just go ahead and pick one. Well, if I'm picking a reasonable one, like obviously Missouri State is an FCS team, that would be shocking. Um, 
So if I'm picking a reasonable loss, hmm, I mean, it's so tough. You're in the SEC, but I don't know. Maybe that uh, Cincinnati or South Carolina, one of the first two, I guess. I mean, not that those teams aren't capable of beating Arkansas. They both got, you know, programs with, with you know, tradition and South Carolina's on the way up, obviously. They've been a little down, but they've gone, you know, they're kind of on their way up. So maybe maybe one of those games. Um, that's a hard one to say because it's hard to be surprised by any SEC team beating you. And, you know, I think a lot of people have that BYU game kind of circled just because it falls at a really difficult time. I'm going to continue to lobby. Okay, I, I, I'm going to continue to lobby for Mississippi State because I think most people are going to think that Arkansas is just automatically supposed to beat Mississippi State. I think that's one of the three toughest games on their schedule. I on agree. The road, Mississippi State, Will Rogers. Being on the road. All right, Trey, we love talking to you. We'll talk with you tomorrow.